Good morning, church. All right, I know, I know the coffee is still kicking in a little bit. Let's try that again. Good morning, church. There we go. I uh, just want to give you a quick reminder, husbands, you need to get those reservations in this evening for Tuesday. And so just a, just a gentle reminder for Valentine's Day dinners, if you haven't got the reservation made yet, you probably need to look at doing that today, okay? I'm just trying to lovingly encourage you there. But no, so glad you're here, excited to be able to worship together. Um, you, you can see a few things going on in your bulletin, and so a few things that are coming up. We're excited. Um, if, if you haven't met him yet, this is Quez. Quez is going to be leading us today in worship, and uh, he, he works for FCA, works with Clint, and so I've told him multiple times, I'm sorry for his boss. No, I'm just kidding. Love Clint. Um, and so, but we're excited for Quez to be leading us today. And uh, before we get there, though, uh, Taylor is going to share a little bit about D-Now weekend coming up. And so, Taylor, if you want to share a little bit yeah. and then open us up in prayer. Awesome. Good morning, good morning. So I know we are, at the church, we are all familiar with D-Now. Uh, we've got that coming up here at the end of March. The dates on that are March 24th and 25th. We'll have everything up on your screen and the announcements in the coming weeks, and we'll have uh, some other information to hand out. And you may be wondering, why is the student pastor talking to us about D-Now? I have always believed that D-Now is a church-wide event, involves everybody. Um, so we'll be talking about that in the weeks to come too. But we're going to need uh, food donations, drink donations. We're going to need people to volunteer their time for to serve and, and do different things around here on that weekend. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking about that and having uh, the ability for you to sign up and, and uh, be able to serve not only the students, but the Lord and the church and the community um, during that weekend. And we are so very much looking forward to it. We are hosting it here this year. Uh, Brother Zach's gonna gonna lead us. He's gonna be our speaker that weekend, uh, and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a great time growing in the Lord, worshiping Him, and strengthening our faith during that time. So y'all y'all begin now to start to pray for our students. Pray that that God will will help them begin to grow and stir in their hearts and their minds. Um, during that weekend, and that they'll they'll already begin to grow and to see uh, Christ in a new in a new way. That's going to be our focus. We're going to look at the person of Christ and and how important He is, and and the and that He is the King, and that that is who we worship. That's who we adore, and that's who we we give all of our praise to. So that's why we're going to uh, focus in and hone in on that weekend. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, as you pray and as you're, as you're thinking about the students. Uh, but again, we'll have more information in the coming weeks. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you this morning as we come to worship you and to adore you and to lift you high, Father. God, I pray this morning that, that we worship in spirit and truth, that we sing at the top of our lungs for you, that you would be glorified and you would be magnified and you'd be lifted up, Father. God, we pray for Brother Zach this morning as he brings the word, God, that he opens it up. God, speak through him that we will hear the word of God spoken this morning in our hearts. God, that we will know that we have been changed when we leave here, that something will been, would have been uh, rearranged in our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and the way that we act. 
when we leave this morning. God, we do praise you. We love you. We seek your face this morning and every day. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Good morning. What an honor it is to be worshiping with you guys. If you go ahead and stand up with us this morning. As we dive into this first song, I really want us to just take a moment and reflect on what we are grateful for, what we are thankful for, what the Lord has done in our life recently, what he has done in our friend's life, in our family life. So just take a moment to just go to the Lord this morning, soften your heart for what he has for you this morning.
sing it out with me. Oh God, my God. 
God, you touched the lepers then. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same time we sing come and feel me
Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that your blood is still running warm today, still running through our veins. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time of worship. Lord, we give it all back to you. It's not about us. It's all about you. Father, we are just a bridge. So, Lord, we pray for the sermon that Pastor Zach is about to bring. Lord, speak through him. If one person leave here today with something. You've done enough. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And everyone said, amen. Amen, church. Isn't it good to be able to worship together today? So thank you, Quez, for, for leading us. And so I invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And just as I was, I was thinking through this, this message, I was actually have, having a conversation this week, and we, we got to talking about, I was actually talking to Mike, and we got to talking about old trucks, who here likes old trucks? 
Um, my first truck, we bought it for $500 and we had to fix it up. It was an 89 Ford F-150. Beautiful truck. It had, it had the little dimmer switch in, in the floorboard, y'all know those? Um, that's how old it was. It was actually older than I was. Um, and so, great truck. Well, you know, of course, I, I could go, get to going down the interstate and if I went over 55 miles an hour, the entire truck would begin to vibrate. That's the kind of truck that it was. Well, things eventually progressed and uh, sold that truck to be able to drive back and forth to Troy and got a car and then eventually got, got a little SUV type thing. Well, Whitney and I, we, we had been married for a little bit and this was, this was several years ago when we were still living in Troy. And as a young 20-something, I had it, my mind fixed on that I needed to have a truck again, you know, for all the times I haul things places, which is, I never haul things places, but I had it convinced in my mind I needed a truck. And so we go to the dealership, we get, we find it, we find this nice Silverado, Great truck, but it was significantly cheaper than all the other trucks on the lot. Should have been a red flag. But I had my mind and my heart set on getting a truck. So you know what we did? We pulled out of the parking lot with that truck. And over the course of about the next five, six months, that truck spent as much time in the shop as it did me driving it. There was electrical issues, the transmission would knock, it was just issue after issue. And finally, after several months, I was, I, w I was in New Orleans and I took Whitney's car down to New Orleans for class and Whitney was driving the truck. And thankfully she only worked about a mile from where we lived. And she calls me on the way to work and she said, Zach, the truck's not driving right. I'm just gonna coast into the office and I'll call you back in a minute. She coasts into the office, and literally as she throws it in park, the brakes fall off of the truck. The tow truck driver gets there, and he said, in all my years, I've never seen that happen before, that the brakes literally just fell off the truck as she parked. So needless to say, I, you know, Although I'm at school to learn how to be a pastor, I called the dealership and very angry and upset. Um, and thankfully they worked with me and they took the truck back and traded it in for my nice, manly Lincoln car. And so if you ever want to ride with me, just know our shoulders are going to be touching the entire drive. But it was just a period of six months where it was just issue after issue after issue with the truck to the point where I'd finally said, I've had enough of this truck. We're trading it in for something else. And just to be honest with you, as we turn to 1 Corinthians today, I wonder how many times that thought crossed Paul's mind dealing with the Corinthian church. Because last week we talked about Paul's prayers to the Roman church. And he hadn't been there before, but he's heard about their faith. He's heard about what they've been through and what they've 
how their faith has been made known throughout all the world. Paul has heard about this, and he's writing the, the book of Romans to really encourage the church in the gospel so that they would grow in the gospel and they would have unity in the gospel. There's really no issues or fires that Paul is trying to put out in Romans. But Corinth is a different matter. Paul's well aware of the church at Corinth. You go back to Acts 18, he's there from the birth of the church of Corinth, which was probably sometime around 50 AD. So just to put this into perspective, Paul spent about 18 months in Corinth and then continued on his missionary journey around 50 AD. 1 Corinthians is written somewhere around 54 to 55. So in less than three to four years, the church at Corinth has already gone so astray and awry, Paul is already having to write them a letter. There's theological issues, there's division in the church, there's immorality in the church in just this short period of time. And so Paul is writing this letter. Like it's so bad at Corinth that if, if the church at Corinth were to see the evening, our modern day evening news when a church scandal breaks, the church at Corinth would be like, that sounds like Tuesday. It's just running rampant. So Paul's writing this letter, and here's what's interesting. I'm going to kind of go ahead and give you the bottom line first. Paul's prayer for the church at Corinth is not gratitude for the church. It's gratitude for the God of the church. And that's what's going to center all of his prayers for Corinth. And I absolutely love it. If you were here a couple weeks ago, Clint taught on gratitude. And that gratitude is different than thanksgiving. That offering thanks is really a, a one-time action, but gratitude is a life of gratitude. So as Paul is praying, he's offering up his thanksgiving to God. He's offering up his gratitude to God. Because where the church at Corinth found themselves, Paul recognized the only answer was God's work in the church. So he's offering his gratitude. So three things we're going to look at this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, let's read through that. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace that God was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, would you take this time that we have to study your word and would God, would you be magnified in our eyes and in our hearts. God, let us continue this act of worship as we break open your word and see what you have for us. God, hide me behind the cross, hide me behind your word, and let it be your word alone that is preached. We love you, we praise you, we pray all this in Christ's name, amen. 
And so first prayer we see in, in 1 Corinthians is, is really Paul's gratitude for his grace. His gratitude for his grace. So going back to verse 4, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. So as we saw elsewhere, Paul's sitting there, Paul to the church at Rome, he goes, I'm thankful for you. I've heard of your faith. But when it comes to Corinth, Paul can't pray that. He can't celebrate what the church at Corinth was doing. But here, Paul goes, I thank God for you. Why? Because of the grace that has been at work in you. That understand this, according to Paul, church, there is never a time in our lives, no matter how far we may stray, how far we may go, that we are too far gone for the grace of Christ to reach us there. No matter how far we may stray, no matter how far we may go, we are, no, we are not outside the bounds of Christ's grace to reach us in that very moment. Because if there was anybody that would have been outside the bounds of Christ's grace, it would have been the church at Corinth. But even Paul was sitting here going, I'm, I'm thankful for you. Why? Because of the grace of Christ that has been given to you. And so how is Paul able to be thankful for the church? Is it because of the church? No, it's because of the God of the church. It's how he's able to celebrate the church. So he's expressed his gratitude for his grace and says that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as a testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying here? He's, he's offering gratitude for God's grace, but God's grace for how he gifts the church. He says, you, you weren't lacking anything, but the church had gone astray. They simply weren't walking according to the giftings that God had already given the church. They were going after their own way, their own pattern, their own thinking. And all the while, they had everything that they needed, God had already supplied. They were simply looking at the wrong thing. They were simply deriving their pattern off the wrong map. Instead of looking and seeing how God had already been at work. And so what does Paul celebrate? The, the gifts that were already present in the church. But not only that, Paul continues he says, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not only is there grace for gifts, but here in church, there's grace for endurance. That God is going to finish the job that he starts. Why? Because he's faithful. He's a faithful, covenant-keeping God, promise-keeping God. And he's going to finish the job that he starts. 
So if he starts the job, he is going to see it through. Is that not something we should express gratitude for? That even on the dark and the difficult days, it seems like we've got questions, God, what are you doing? God, where are you at? God, what's going on? God's sitting there going, I've got you. And I'm going to finish what I start. And so Paul's sitting there looking at the church at Corinth, and the church of Corinth, absolute mess. But he's sitting there resting in the promise of God that God is faithful and he finishes what he starts. So it may be a mess right now, but God is faithful and will see the church through the mess. Why? Because he's God. And it's his church. It's his people. And he's going to see it through. And so what does Paul first offer? He offers gratitude for God's grace. In church, could I say today that you and I should be the first people to offer gratitude for God's grace? Like even when God found you, and you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, it wasn't something that God looked at you and said, you know what, that person's pretty talented, I could use them on my team. That wasn't the case. But God said, you know what, I'm going to make that person an instrument of my grace. So that when somebody sees that person, they're not going to see that person, but they're going to see the evidence of my grace. That's something we should offer gratitude for today, should we not? So Paul's looking at the church at Corinth, and he goes, instead of me getting right into it, I'm going to offer gratitude for God's grace. Gratitude for his grace. But then second, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. As you're turning there, there's a lot of history that has transpired between 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We don't have time to dive into all of it this morning. But somewhere in between here, there's, there's a couple other letters that Paul has written because 1st Corinthians, when it gets to the church of Corinth, it's not received well. And you probably understand why after reading through 1st Corinthians, why it's not received well. So it's not received well. And there's, there's division that has taken place between the church at Corinth and between Paul. And really, the, 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 the division has grown deep and wide. And through a series of events and correspondence, healing has begun to take place between Paul and Corinth after 1 Corinthians. But just as healing is taking place between Paul and the church... These people called the super apostles begin to creep into the church to try to undermine Paul and what Paul was teaching and that they knew more than Paul did. They were holier than Paul was and they had all of this list of credentials and qualifications that said you should listen to us instead of listening to Paul. And so the division, while it was at first starting to heal, it's starting to split again. So Paul writes 2 Corinthians to the church. And Paul offers a couple prayers here in 2 Corinthians. 
So we saw in 1 Corinthians, there's gratitude for his grace, but now in or 1 Corinthians, gratitude for his grace. But here in 2 Corinthians 1, we see gratitude for his goodness. So look at chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. For our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul, I think we could all agree, has endured a lot throughout his life. That Paul understands the meaning of suffering. Paul understands the meaning of to go through affliction. Paul understands the meaning of all of that. Why? Because Paul has endured it. This isn't a theoretical issue for Paul. This isn't something that in, in a nice cozy room he's pondered on for a little while. But rather this is real life for Paul. That he's gone through circumstances and trials where he's had to be comforted by God. It's in the midst of this Paul offers his gratitude for God's goodness. Because notice Paul's offering his gratitude for God's goodness based on God's presence in affliction. As Paul says this, says the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all affliction. That God is present in it. Going through difficult seasons of life does not mean God is absent. Because Paul's saying there is God who comforts us in all things. In all these afflictions, it is God who provides the comfort. And so when we go through trials and dark seasons of life, God is present to comfort us. And now in English, we've, we've, we've butchered the word comfort because we think of comfort and we think of something as being soft and padded and squishy, right? But when Paul speaks of comfort, he's not talking about comfort as in God alleviating the affliction or God making the difficult season a little bit easier, when Paul talks of comfort, he's talking of resolve in the midst of tribulation. He's talking of courage in the midst of the darkness. He's talking of resolve and courage and fortitude to go through those things. How are we able to have courage and fortitude and resolve when we go through difficult seasons in life? 
because we know we're not alone. Because we've all been through seasons of life, church, where we may be wondering what, what on earth is God doing? God, what on earth can you be accomplishing for your good and my glory or other way around? For his glory and my good, we've all gone through those seasons. And yet, what gives us courage in those seasons? To know he's right there with us. And that as a son or a daughter of the king, he has not left you alone. He has not left you to figure your own way through it. He's present in affliction. <laughs> That's something to be grateful for today, right church? That he has not left us alone, but he is present. But not only does Paul speak of his presence in affliction, but he offers gratitude for God's purpose in affliction. He says, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may, may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. And with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Church, you don't know when you're going through that season of life who it is God is preparing for you to minister to. You don't know that God is at work in such a way that not only are you not going through that season of life alone, but that season of life is not meaningless. It's not purposeless. It's not a cosmic accident that you are going through that situation. But God is working something. He's achieving something. Why? So that one day you can be a comfort to somebody else. Why does this make the body of Christ so important? Because when we go through those seasons of life, we need one another. We need one another. We need one another for encouragement. Why? Because you may have walked through that similar season of life. But not only that, Paul continues. He says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering through Christ, we are abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. Notice this, and salvation. What is Paul talking about? Paul's referencing back to everything that he went through throughout all of his missionary journeys was done so that he could go to Corinth and preach the gospel. His suffering was not meaningless. His affliction was not purposeless. But God was orchestrating these things so that he could go to Corinth and preach the gospel to begin with. Church, you and I, just as we have no idea who we may be able to comfort one day, you and I have no idea who is watching us. It may be in the present. There may be some, you're going through a season of life and you have a child watching you. You have a coworker watching you, sitting there going, they talk about this goodness of God thing. Is it true? 
and they're sitting there watching your life. Going, is this Jesus thing true? So what's the message that you and I proclaim to them? I may say this with my mouth, I don't actually live like it. Or do they see the testimony? That God is good even when life's circumstances are not. But not only that, you, it may be something that's 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. It's God's business. And that you may go through something today and it make no sense. And then 25 years from now, you go, oh, okay. Makes sense now. It may not even be this side of eternity. It may be something on the other side of eternity when you begin to see how God was at work in your life and you sit there and go, you know, God, that made zero sense over there. But now makes perfect sense. And so Paul understands there's a presence of God in our affliction. He offers gratitude for that. But also in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our trials and our tribulations, there's a purpose in it. And so he offers gratitude to God. But then lastly, turn to chapter 2. So Paul offers to the church at Corinth gratitude for God's grace and gratitude for his goodness. But then lastly, Paul offers gratitude for his goals. So chapter 2, going down to verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life who is sufficient for these things. And so by goals, I, w I don't want you to hear New Year's resolution. I have a goal of losing 20 pounds this new year, and I've gained five. Like, I don't want you to hear a goal like that, but rather purpose and intention. That Paul is able to express gratitude to God. Why? Because God has a purpose and an intention for the church at Corinth. Even though the church of Corinth is messed up, even though the church of Corinth has problems, even though Paul's having to address all these problems, God still has a purpose for the church. And we see God's activity for the church going back to verse 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. The picture that Paul is painting in, in the days of Rome would have been a rather familiar picture. That as an army had vanquished its foe, it comes in a, in a parade and a procession back from the battlefield to proclaim the battle was over, the victory has been won. So 
So church, what, what, what do we do? What do we exist? We exist, for lack of a better term, to form a Congo line to say the battle is over and the victory has been won. That Christ's job is completed and it's finished. That his work on the cross is done. And so we gather together in the victory march. That's why we exist. That's our purpose. And even though Corinth, in all of its issues, in all of its problems, still had a spot in the victory parade. So Paul's saying, God, God, you've got purposes, you've got goals, you've got intentions for the church at Corinth. So he's sitting there offering gratitude. But not only that, we see God's intention for the church, for the church. He says, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That there's a particular smell. Going back to this imagery of a victory parade, it was also common for that, for that army as they're marching along to light incense so that you could smell them coming, which... Roman armies, you probably could without the incense. But that you could identify it by the smell. That there was a unique aroma in the air when the victory parade came back in. So that's what Paul is saying, that the intention of the church is that there should be some uniqueness to it. That for those in the victory parade, it smells like life. For those outside of the victory parade, it smells like death. Now, I've been an athlete long enough and a coach long enough. If you've never got to experience the smell of a locker room after a game, you're missing out. Especially in high school. It's a mixture of must Axe body spray and staph infection. <laughs> Glorious combination. But an outsider coming in, you pick up on that. But you go in the locker room as a player or a coach after a victory, nobody notices that. Why? Because there's a celebration that's going on. Nobody's worried about how sweaty the guy is next to him. Nobody's concerned about that. Nobody's worried about the smells. Why? Because there's a victory to celebrate. Now those outside the victory may come into the locker room and pick up on it. But there's a uniqueness that's there. In the same way, church, you and I are called. God has intentions for our lives. God has purposes for our lives as individuals and as a corporate body of believers. That he is calling us to a life that is unique, that's in, that's in the victory parade. That's what he's calling us to. Now, can I just be transparent with you for a moment? I think there's, that there's three things that keep believers from seeing God's purpose in their life. First is sin. 
which is really the context that Paul's dealing with this in, because, because of the sin of the Corinthian church, they're missing their purpose in the victory parade. They're missing their purpose to have this unique aroma about them. They're missing their purpose. But yet, Paul still writes to them. And that even though Corinth had their struggles and their issues and their sins, they were not past the bounds of God's grace, nor were they past the bounds of God having goals and intentions for their lives. But we can miss it, can't we? We think as though I struggle with this, I wrestle with this, I had this sin back in my past that I am no longer able to be used by God. And again, if Paul is sitting here saying God has intentions for the church at Corinth, he can still have intentions for your life too. He can still have purposes that he's seeking to achieve in your life. So I think there's sin, but also I think there's sight. A lot of people struggle with finding God's purpose for their life and what he's calling them to do and the goals and intentions he has for their life because your eyes just haven't seen it yet. And that's where the corporate body of believers comes together and says, hey, brother, hey, sister, I see this in your life. I see how God has gifted you, how God has equipped you. And they speak that into your life and encourage you in that. So we need to see it. But then lastly, I think we can struggle with understanding God's purpose because of the season of life that we're in. Now, I'm just being, being transparent with you in pastoral ministry. I've seen, I've seen it all. And when I talk about season, I'm really talking about the two ends of the spectrum. Because when it comes to next generation ministry, children, youth, college, it's easy to preach a message to them that God has big intentions for your future and miss out what God has for them today. So hear me middle school, high school, college student. God's intentions for you and goals for you and purpose, purposes for you are not merely tomorrow, but are today as well. Don't fantasize about what God can do in your life in the future and miss what God can do today. God has purposes and goals and intentions. But then we come to the other side. I'm not going to say senior adult ministry. I'm going to say seasoned saints. Been, been seasoned a little bit longer. And here's, here's the temptation when it comes to God's purposes and God's intentions. Is you're not looking to the future, but you have nostalgia about the past. And what God did and what God achieved and what you said were your prime time days in your glory days, and you can completely miss what God has for you today. What God's purposes and what God's intentions are for you today. You can miss it. Why? Because you think you're at the season of life where it's time to retire from Christianity. And there is no retirement from Christianity. No one hears, well done, my good and faithful servant, this side of eternity. And so don't believe that just because you're more seasoned, 
just because you got a few more years, just because you saw the church back when it was running X number of people or whatever the case may be, that it's time to simply sit back. Because God still has purposes and intentions for you today. How do I know that? Because you're still sitting here breathing. And if there is breath in your lungs, God has purposes and intentions for you. So Paul offers gratitude that even though the church at Corinth was a mess, he knew God still had goals and intentions for them. And so this brings us to our central idea this morning. As the band comes back to the stage, he said, and so central idea is this, no matter where we find ourselves, we can express gratitude for his past grace, present goodness, and future goals. No matter where we find ourselves, Gratitude for his past grace, present goodness, and future goals. And so I say this, church, because it's, it's interesting to me. Is I kind of started this series and looked through a few things. And really, I, I, I looked through all these texts and find Corinth just interesting. Because Paul's really not praying for the church. He's just offering his gratitude for the God of the church. And so what would happen if, if you and I, we, we resolved it in ourselves that what if we just spent some time, instead of coming to God with a list of needs or a list of demands or a wish list, we just simply came to God with hearts that said, God, we just want to be, we just want to express our gratitude. And as a church, we just wanted to say, God, we just want to express our gratitude for your past grace. That your grace is apparent that your grace sustains, your grace provides. So God, we just wanna celebrate your grace. But not only that, what if we just say, God, we wanna express our gratitude for your present goodness, that we're going through a season of life right now, whoever it may be, we're going through this season of life right now and it's dark and it's difficult. And I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on, but you're there. And you've got a purpose for it. And God, I just want to express my gratitude for that. Then lastly, what if we just expressed our gratitude that God has goals and intentions for every believer that's sitting here and every believer that's watching online. God has goals and intentions and purposes for your life. And what if we just express our gratitude? It may, we may not even know what it is yet but we just express gratitude that God, you are God that has goals for us, purposes and intentions. What would happen as just a corporate body of believers if we just said, God, I'm not coming to you with a list of needs, but we just wanna express our gratitude to you today. I don't know what would happen but we just want to express our gratitude. So I'm going to pray. 
If you need to come pray, this altar is more than open. If you need somebody to pray with, Clint will be standing to the side. I'll be standing to this side. But what would happen just as a unified church, we just wanted to express our gratitude to God today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you and we praise you. And God, we just want to lift you up. We just want to express our gratitude for your grace and your goodness and your goals. God, that even no matter where we may find ourselves, you're still present. Your grace is still evident. And you have a plan for our lives. So God, help us today as a church to offer up our gratitude to you. We love you. We praise you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and respond today.
Amen. Church, go give the Lord a hand this morning. What a great day to be able to worship together. Uh, and then also, can we share our appreciation with Quez for leading us and the band for leading us in worship this morning? And so thank you, Quez. We appreciate you. And the band as well. Um, but before we go, got got one quick thing. Um, if, if you're visiting with us, love to love to talk to you and connect with you. We do have a gift for you in the back. We'd love to spend some time with you. Um, but kind of important thing, important thing today. And you can grab a seat real quick. Um, sorry, I wasn't trying to keep you standing that long. Um, but as, as I shared a couple weeks ago, our, our desire as a church, kind of what we're praying for, is that we be a commission central church. And part of that is, is celebrating and supporting and encouraging individuals and families that God sends out of this church to go serve elsewhere. And so I'm going to invite Darren and April to, to come on up here. Um, I'm sure you, everyone knows Darren and April, um, but Darren has been called to serve as the interim pastor at Homer Baptist, um, and so what we want to do is just bless you and encourage you as, as y'all go out, and next Sunday will be your first Sunday there? That's correct. That's correct. Awesome. Um, and so is, is there anything you'd like to share with the church? Or let me grab Mike. There he is. <laughs> um, I could, I could stand here for an hour, just uh, or even longer. Just, I just wanted to say thank you. First of all, I don't know exactly how long we've been here now, but uh, this, this is home. This is where uh, the Lord allowed us to come during a season of our life, and He knew where we needed to be. It was right here. And there's only one thing that could tear me away right now, and that's the call that he's put on my life. And that's what I'm going to do. There is no doubt in my mind that this is the man that's supposed to be here right now, standing beside me right here, Brother Zach. And I love him. I feel, I feel like I've known him uh, for a long time, and we, we're just getting to know each other a little bit, but there's a kindred spirit there. You support this man. And I'll just ask you to pray for April and myself, and especially for her. This is harder for her probably than it is for me to get ripped up out of here and go somewhere else. But she is so supportive. And I'm going to let her say something if she'd like. No? <laughs> All right. But I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. And so here's, here's what I want to do. Um, We'll invite any, anybody that's willing, this is how we're going to dismiss. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to pray for Darren and April, and Clint's going to leave that time. And so anybody wants to come up and, and pray with them, um, invite you to come up now um, and just kind of circle around them. And so as, as people are coming, Darren, I just want to bless you until you go in peace, preach the gospel, and make much of Jesus in everything you do, brother. We love you. The Congo line at Homer. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's, let us pray. God, we do pause before you once again, thanking you for your goodness. 
God, your grace, uh, God, your mercy, your long-suffering. God, we pray thanking you that, that you have put a call on a man's life and a man and his spouse and his family, God, to go and do what you've called him to do. And God, right now, we pray specifically for our brother Darren. God, we know, God, that you have called him to be a minister of the gospel. God, and we know as he obediently steps into this, I know that it's not easy. God, we've walked in those steps. We've walked in those places. And, and God, we know that it's not easy for him nor April. God, and Satan is going to try to attack. Satan is going to try to keep him from being obedient to you. But God, we pray, thanking you, uh, God, with all that we have, grateful for your, your call, God, that you put on this man's life. So God, I pray as he goes and, and, and clearly shares the gospel, God, to, that he will be the fragrance, the aroma of Christ, bringing life to life. So God, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're going to do. We pray, thanking you for that future grace, God, that you're going to show in the days to come as he just obediently stands behind a pulpit, Lord, that is your pulpit. And I know Darren's heart. We've sat, we've talked, we've cried, we've loved, we've laughed, Lord, with one another over the goodness of you. So God, I pray that you just continue to give him the words to share as he stands my hand behind your pulpit again there in Homer. And God, this soul's or change for eternity through his obedience and faithfulness to simply preach your word. God, we pray for that community. God, we pray for uh, blessings. Lord, we pray for favor. We call on you, God, that you do as only you can do. And God, we know that you're faithful and honor, God, in, in the things that we call upon you. So God, we pray thanking you. Lord, uh, he may be stepping away here for a season, but God, we're family. God, we're going to partner together. We're going to do things together to simply be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community where you've called us to be. So, God, we love you, and we're forever grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you're a visitor, make way in the back corner. Pastor Zach will be back there. If you're a visitor, we have a gift for you. So have a great day.